The Culture Guy Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome to the first official episode of the Culture Guy Podcast. Today with an exciting interview guest. Stay tuned. Our guest's first name is Alan, and you'll learn more about him later. Welcome to the official first episode of the Culture Guy podcast. This is the show dedicated to all of you who are passionate about cultures and how culture influences everything we do. The way we talk, the way we listen, the way we act or react, the way we feel and the way we see the world. This show is a place for you to connect and engage with people from around the world who care about cultural understanding, making meaningful global connections and fostering diversity. Together we will learn on this show how culture shapes all our behaviors and how we can inspire, motivate, and lead and communicate better across cultures. Join me, I'm your host, Christian Höfele, also known as The Culture Guy, on a journey to becoming agents of peace. Because quite frankly, together we will make this world a more peaceful place by helping people from different cultures understand each other better. That's my mission, that's what I go by, this is what I stand for. Welcome back everybody, this is the official first episode of the Culture Guy podcast. I'm delighted that you're with me today. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, good evening, no matter where you are in the world. I'm glad you're tuning in. And for those of you who are still wondering who I am, my name is Christian, last name Höfele. I'm originally from Germany. I've been a cross-cultural trainer and coach for several years now. My company is called The Culture Mastery. You can easily find me online, theculturemastery.com. And if you want to connect via Twitter or other social media, all the links are in the show notes. Um, it's easy to find me on Twitter. I'm at Culture Mastery or I'm at Hüvele, either one is fine. You find us on Facebook, we're there as The Culture Mastery. I'm also there as The Culture Guy, where we post the links to this show and where people can connect with us and interact with us. So today, I'm not the only one talking on the show. I've recorded an interview with one of my long-time long friends that I met over... Um, social media, long-time friends in terms of cross-cultural communication. Um, I talked to Ellen Hetbloom, who is a, a true expert in, in cross-cultural communication. He's located in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and I've been working with him for many months, and we've been shooting back and forth information via social media. We help each other promote each other's brands, and he is... Well, 
he's one of the genuine people in the field, and I'm happy that he um, was able to to join us and uh, that he agreed to to be interviewed on the show. So without further ado, let's hear what Alan has to say about crossing cultures. Today I have with me here Alan Hedbloom. He is a cross-cultural communication expert. Hey, Alan, glad to have you on the show. Hey, Christian, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be a guest on this brand new endeavor of yours. Oh, I'm, I'm excited myself. So for those of you who don't know you, I've, I've met you, I think, via Twitter and other social media outlets. I, I think I know what you do, but explain to our audience, what does a cross-cultural communication expert do? It really helps. That person helps people bridge cultures because we all grow up in our own silos, in our own ways of seeing the world and doing business. And because our trusted parents and teachers and aunts and uncles, you know, guided us and corrected us when we strayed off that path, we tend to get doing business in one special way and attaching the labels right and wrong to them. And it's not until we get out into the wider world and start meeting those other people. So it's people from other religions, people from other socioeconomic backgrounds, people from different racial backgrounds, that we start to recognize, holy cow, there are differences out there. And the first intrinsic human response is, whoa, those differences are scary. Those people are maybe not to be trusted. Those people are bad. And so the first step in cross-cultural communication is helping people understand that differences exist, that it's a natural human tendency to be afraid of those, but it's not a sustainable business model, especially given how global today's world is. So what are some of your clients? What is a typical person that you consult on how to overcome that, um, that fear of the foreign? Sure. Luckily, the expats that I work with don't come from the same model as Americans typically do. In the US here we have the advantage and disadvantage of being the world's largest economy and over the last 50, 75 years, you know, most successful, you know, we've got a big military, um, English is spoken from coast to coast. And so, you know, lovely in many ways except that really leads to a lot of cultural myopia because anywhere coast to coast you can turn on the radio and hear English you can go to the same big box stores or fast food restaurants and get your favorite McBurger or whatever and you don't realize that the world is different and we have the disadvantage because we're not thrust up against borders except maybe along you know Texas Arizona New Mexico California where other languages are spoken so we tend to be monolingual and then we tend to make judgments about that so that's a long-winded way of saying Americans have a disadvantage in the cross-cultural communication realm whereas uh, my clients from Japan or Brazil don't have those disadvantages so they come here understand actually they come here with lots of English training to be in with but they need you know additional skills because their jobs, their their engineers, their researchers, their doctors, and their communication skills, uh, the requirements are at a very high level. And so my job is both to help them communicate linguistically appropriately, but also navigate 
behaviors and protocols with their American coworkers. Right, right. So when you say they come here, where, where do people find you? I know you're in the Michigan Grand Rapids area, but for those listeners out there, they're not quite sure where you operate. Um, what, what's your action radius there? Oh, well, the, the great news, you and I are having this conversation via Skype right now, and we're a couple of states away. Um, I have clients in Tokyo, Hong Kong, Houston, and then, you know, just across the state of Michigan, uh, for people who know the shape of Michigan is like a mitten, that one little bump that sticks up into uh, Lake Huron and Saginaw Bay is called the Thumb of Michigan. So I have a client working for a small manufacturing firm in the Thumb of Michigan. So I can work with people one-on-one in the in a local area, do local seminars, but a lot of my coaching is um, across time zones. So how do people find you? Uh, people find me a lot of it's word of mouth. Uh, I think that for all of us who have been that fish out of water, where you've been in another culture, another language, feeling awkward, feeling vulnerable, and you get the help, the nurturing, the guidance, so that you can fit in better and eventually feel like you belong in whatever workplace or neighborhood you're you're settled in. That word tends to get out. Oh, here's here's someone who really helped me when I needed that guidance. So um, I I am on social media and I I, I blog etc. But I think a lot of my referrals just come either through my uh, public speaking in the area or through referrals from uh, clients in the past. All right. So you mentioned social media. What's where's the social media that people can find you? What are you using most? So for my consulting uh, website, it's uh, headbloom.com. Headbloom spelled uh, head like heads up, bloom like flower. And uh, likewise, my, uh, my Twitter handle is uh, at headbloom. Uh, and uh, Facebook is the same thing. Excellent. So that's how people will be able to find you. I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. So as you listen to this, you can check in the in the show notes to, to find out how to find Alan. Um, and Alan, you just mentioned... Um, that people you want make you want to make people feel like they belong, and this is also the title of your your video program or your show that you run, right? Feel like you belong. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Probably 15 years ago, I was working uh, closely with one colleague, and we were looking to more accurately brand my business. And what it came down to is helping people who are this fish out of water feel like you belong and so that actually became the tagline for my company and over the the last 10 years now that uh, my wife and I have been married she's had the chance to look at me working with people and say you know this real this message needs to get out more widely we need to put this on on television so we created a program called Feel Like You Belong, where we interview immigrants and talk about the immigrant experience. So what is your travel to the United States, whether permanently or temporarily, and what are your struggles, what are your challenges, and then what are your successes, what works for you. And I think in that in that middle space of some success, some struggle, a lot of people can find identity. Other immigrants can. And for non-immigrants, I think it's really educational. Oh, this is what my coworker from France is going through. Mm-hmm. Or these are, these are what you know, migrant farm workers are going through. How do people find your show? 
Uh, it's uh, feellikeyoubelong.com is our website, and all of our shows are produced uh, locally, so we're on local cable TV here in West Michigan, but you can watch all of our shows archived online at feellikeyoubelong.com. We also have a Facebook page, uh, Feel Like You Belong, and we also tweet nice. at Feel Like You Belong. Nice. So this this podcast, the, the Culture Guy podcast, is about the ability to cross cultures more with more ease and with, with less stress. And I know that you're very well qualified to talk about this because of your personal experience, not only with your clients, but I know a little bit about your background. You you cross cultures yourself quite a bit throughout your lifetime and your career. What were some of the moments when you realized that you were the fish out of water, you were the one who didn't feel like he was actually belonging where he was put? Sure. As an as a lifelong language learner, I've studied a dozen languages, and as an applied linguist, I pay particular attention to language and the importance of trying to get it right. However, there's this beautiful quote in the intercultural business that if you end up studying the language without learning the culture that's attached, you end up sounding like a fluent fool. And so, excellent. So I have I have done that in my life. Well, ask my wife. I've looked foolish often in many languages, including my own native English. But I had a moment when I was, I had studied German for a number of years and then had the, the pleasure of um, studying at the uh, University of Freiburg in uh, the southwest Germany yes. and, and living with a family right after that for five months in the Stuttgart area. And loving family, raucously interactive. Uh, I learned to speak some Swabian, but during that time, somebody making conversation was asking me, well, what do Americans eat for breakfast? Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't know but I, I how to say that, but I had my pocket dictionary, quick flip through the pages, looked up the word cereal. Of course, you know, language learners know if you're using a pocket dictionary, it's very abridged. It gave one, one yeah, big, big, big note of caution on that. Careful one. with the pocket dictionaries. So, what, what did it tell you? What, what is cereal in the pocket dictionary? Cereal is Getreide, which for our non-German speaking friends means uh, uh, horse and cattle fodder. Mm -hmm. And of course, it caused a good chuckle and uh, some quizzical looks. And afterwards, I realized, oh, the Germans just uh, Germanicize the English and say. Uh, ich esse cornflakes, so yes. I eat cornflakes, even though it could be Rice Krispies or whatever. It's generically cornflakes. So it's it's like in the southern United States, everybody says they're having a Coke when they're drinking any type of soda. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. that's the linguistic parallel. So so lesson number one, you know, be careful how you choose to translate. Um, from language to language, but I, I, there's a there's another story that's that really touches me yes, uh, yes. a lot deeper. Living with this family, um, I would spend a lot of time with the my host mother, and when I was first introduced to her, I used to call her Frau Bayer, Mrs. Bayer, mm -hmm. and uh, I should give you the bigger picture. O over decades now, thirty 
no, 40, <laughs> 40 decades now, I've maintained relationships uh, with family members. Uh, I've flown back over for, for a wedding. I actually visited uh, this dear woman uh, when she was on her deathbed. And so, you know, families had a really good relationship. Uh, one of the daughters spent some time working as a, an au pair for us when our girls were growing up. So it ended up being a very long-term, very special relationship. But I had only lived there a couple of months, and in my own American cultural interpretation, saw, oh, we're getting along so well, we like each other, we're joking. And I invited her to start calling me do instead of Z. And for, for those of you who, the who inf- speak... The informal address and instead of the formal address, yes. Right. Spanish and French have similar systems. English only has one form of you. And so we, to be more formal, we might say you, sir, but there aren't grammatical verbs and all this to go along with yes, that. Yes. And she was very kind, but she gently rebuffed me and said, oh, Alan, she said, we haven't known each other long enough. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't proposing, actually, that I would call her do just that, you know, you please, you can start doing this to me as a, as a sort of a chink in this system of cultural system of formality but you know so from my american perspective hey we're just becoming good buds let's you know let's take it up a notch and but i had i had jumped the gun i had so you, you, you had a life experience of what we call cultural fool moments you you felt like a you didn't belong and you felt like you just made a fool of yourself because you crossed some sort of line that you were not really aware of in, in that very moment. And we've all, I use this quite a bit in my, in my cultural training programs when we try to describe the, um, the level of familiarity across cultures. And there's a nice old analogy that's been used. Sometimes people say it's been overused. It's the peach and coconut analogy, which in this example that you're stating, you were an American peach and the lady you you described was a, a Germanic coconut. And I'm not going to go into much detail about that. But matter of fact, I'm just going to post a link in the show notes to an article that would explain the peach and coconut model if you're if you're interested in that. And we might be discussing that on future episodes here but how did you overcome that so you were a fool in that moment you felt like this wasn't the right way to interact how did you save the day well i just you know all you could do is sort of take your cultural tail between your legs and Mm. and go off and lick your wounds i you know i i said okay but i think i just i chose to use that as a learning moment Okay. And I think anyone who's crossing bound, uh, cultural boundaries has to take to this, this very tricky endeavor the understanding that regardless, you will make mistakes. Okay. And so, but I mean, you can't make assumptions that everything is going to be just like home. Okay. And you have to take a lot of humility to this because, uh, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know, and you have to be very humble about that. So, if you're if you're being hired by a company to you know do certain software design, great, you can troubleshoot the software. But how do you communicate those results? Okay, there may be ways of you may need to be more indirect. And if you're a, a North American, your typical manner preferred manner of communicating is very directly well you may cause some loss of face in other cultures that are by nature more indirect mm-hmm. so you have to be be prepared to make mistakes and and tread lightly 
All right, so if you if you can give three words, three nouns to people crossing cultures, what, what are the three words of caution or the three words of wisdom you would send them away with? I, I heard you say a few, but let me hear it again. Three Three nouns. Curiosity, humility, and a phrase is leaning on the goodwill of others. Nice, nice. Guys, we've been talking to Ellen Hetbloom today of, of uh, Hetbloom Consulting, is it, right? Cross-cultural communication. Oh, I'm sorry. So Hetbloom Cross-cultural communication in, in Michigan. It was a pleasure talking to you, Ellen. The, this, these were some really nice nuggets about your own past and how about you cross-cultures and how it affects the way we talk, the way we act, the way we react, the way we live our lives and the way we we work culture is in our blood we can't shake it we may be able to adapt and learn but we need to trust our process that it will be all good right so thank you for your time alan this was wonderful again real quick how do people find you online they go on twitter and find you at at headbloom h-e-a-d-b-l-o-o-m and same last name for the consulting business headbloom.com excellent thank you so much ellen and i'll talk to you again soon i hope to have you on the show sometime in the future again thank you i have lots of fool stories so i'm i'm loaded for more conversation let's do that thanks Take ellen care. you bet bye-bye this was ellen hetbloom and isn't he amazing I wish I could speak as many languages as he does. So I'm assuming every one of you learned something today. Humility matters. Curiosity, staying curious matters. And as I tell all my program participants, trust your process. be good if you just remain open because crossing cultures is not a straight line it tends to be a rather curvy road so with this we end episode one of the culture guy podcast i invite you to give us feedback send me an email to get started at theculturemastery.com that's get started one word at theculturemastery.com you can also go to the website theculturemastery.com and right on the top of the website you'll see the get started button which will lead you to where you can find us If you're socially media savvy, find us on Facebook, The Culture Mastery and The Culture Guy, two separate pages, both work well. And of course, and there's the ubiquitous Twitter, at Culture Mastery, or at Höferle, that is H-O-E-F-E-R-L-E. 
This was the episode one of the Culture Guy podcast. It was a pleasure having you. You guys have a great afternoon, great morning, great night, great whatever time of day it is in your corner of the world. And I hope to have you back on the next episode with, well, I'm not going to give away who's going to be our next guest, but you'll love it. I know that. Thanks for listening. And tune in when it's time for episode two of the Culture Guy Podcast. <laughs>